This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, January 11th, 2022. I'm Caleb Brown. You hear it every time someone wants to justify squelching speech. You can't shout fire in a crowded theater. It's a bit of a catch-all phrase, overused and broadly misunderstood. Jeff Kossif is an associate professor of cybersecurity law at the United States Naval Academy. We discussed the rhetoric surrounding current efforts to muzzle speech. I should just say that I'm speaking only on my own behalf and not on behalf of the Naval Academy, the Navy, or DOD. Uh, These days, it's used to justify just about anything. Uh, I've actually seen it repeatedly. I I have a Google News alert for Fire in a Crowded Theater, which um, is one of the more stressful Google News alerts because I I get to see in real time what they use to justify it. Uh, It even justifies things beyond speech regulations. Um, People argue that vaccine mandates, which uh, depending on the form I agree with, uh, they say, well, we can mandate vaccines because you can't yell fire in a crowded theater, which is very convoluted for a number of reasons. But in the speech arena, it's used to uh, still regarding health uh, to say, well, if someone questions COVID precautions, uh, masking or the efficacy of vaccines, that should be illegal and we can make it illegal because you can't yell fire in a crowded theater. Um, Election misinformation, which obviously is a substantial concern, uh, people say, well, you you shouldn't be able to question election results because of fire in a crowded theater. You shouldn't be able to give a portrayal of the January 6th insurrectionist because fire in a crowded theater. Uh, You shouldn't be allowed to have hate speech because fire in a crowded theater. And while a lot of this is very odious speech, um, the difference between the United States and so many other countries is that we generally allow odious speech. Now, there's some sort of speech that we can regulate, but it it has to be very exceptional. And um, there's reason for that. It's not just sort of a bureaucratic quirk within the court system that they accidentally interpreted the First Amendment broadly. You look at other countries that do not have such a high standard. And the the potential for abuse is not just theoretical. Um, In recent years, there have been a number of authoritarian countries that have passed fake news laws. And I I think fake news is a problem. I think that misinformation, especially about vaccines, is a problem. But what we've seen is that when the government has the ability to start saying, this is fake news, uh, they're going to tend to use that uh, to punish critics. Uh, And that's why it's been particularly unsettling for me to see people on, on all sides of the aisle uh, start saying, well, you know, we we can just ban the bad stuff. And it's like, well, <laughs> uh, depending on who's in charge, what they see as the bad stuff might be uh, your dissent. And that's really dangerous. There is this fight right now over Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act. Uh, a lot of, uh, in particular, Republicans have filed legislation to uh, make changes to it, although some uh, Democrats seem to be uh, of a similar mind when it comes to uh, altering that piece of law. Um, you know, what are the what are the justifications that they are offering that uh, 
that relate to the relative lack of absoluteness of the First Amendment and what uh, they think is justified. So the Section 230 proposals are incredibly uh, frequent uh, for the past few years, um, and they're very different. Uh, So you mentioned both sides of the aisle. Uh, You have primarily Republicans who are proposing bills to basically restrict the ability of platforms to moderate content. They view certain moderation decisions as unfair and having a, a bias in favor of liberals and against conservatives. So their general inclination would be to restrict the ability of the social media platforms to take down content. And on the other side of the aisle, you have a number of proposals from Democrats that seek to either use Section 230 as a lever or just require moderation of content that might be constitutionally protected, but they view as harmful. And the problem here, and so that's at the federal level. I'll talk about the states in a second, but the problem with both of those sets of proposals is that they often get into First Amendment issues because uh, unless there's a radical reinterpretation of the First Amendment, the platforms have substantial discretion to determine whether to take content down or keep it up with or without Section 230. Section 230 provides some protections that I I think I, I try to tell my conservative friends that if we didn't have Section 230, your speech is going to be taken down a lot more than it is now. And I understand they view it as unfair. They say, well, why would a platform get this legal protection if they're just going to take down my speech? And I get that. But I also would encourage them to think about what will be the reaction of platforms if there is a world without Section 230. And if I'm a rational platform that is looking at increased liability for content, then I'm going to start taking down more content. So you argue that it's time to, at least for the most part, retire this phrase. Who should still continue to be allowed to use this fire in a crowded theater metaphor? Well, the great thing about the First Amendment is anyone is allowed to use whatever metaphor they want. Uh, I, I would just encourage people to realize that it is not this sort of wild card that you can play whenever you want to impose some authoritarian speech regulation, that it's very dangerous to start waving this around and making people expect that the government is just able to ban speech that anyone views as harmful. Uh, I mean, I I would point out that there are instances where someone might get a disorderly conduct (laughs) violation if they do yell, falsely yell fire in a crowded theater, and it causes a panic and people trample each other, uh, even in that case. But but there are a lot of times when you could yell fire in a crowded theater when it's not going to lead to any liability. And I I think that's kind of a microcosm of the bigger issue that we're dealing with, that um, that we protect a lot of speech that might be obnoxious, might be hateful, might be harmful, but there's good reason to do that. So I, I would just encourage people to be uh, a, a little more aware of the fact that we we do have a lot of speech that you might disagree with, but the government can't step in and ban. And I think There are costs and benefits to it, but that is the First Amendment marketplace that we've lived in for the past century. 
Jeff Kossif is an associate professor of cybersecurity law at the United States Naval Academy. His latest article appears in The Atlantic. Subscribe to and give a rating to the Cato Daily Podcast on your podcast platform of choice. And follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.